Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. It's great. You know, uh, one of the most common questions that um, I ask people, um, and one of the most common questions that I get asked by people is the same thing. And I imagine you've been asked it, and you've probably asked it a lot of times too. How are you doing? How, how's everything going? How are you? How's life? I, I imagine you've probably asked that question multiple times already today, uh, and you've probably been asked it by other people as well. And you know, when I'm answering that question, and, and so often when other people are answering that question, it tends to be answered something along the lines of something like this. This isn't if you're just kind of passing and it's just that kind of good, but if you've got a slightly longer, uh, this it tends to be answered something along these kind of lines. You know, uh, yeah, I'm good, but I'm tired. You know, I'm really busy, but you know, it's all with good things. I'm tired and I could just do with a rest. Maybe that's how you're feeling right now. Maybe right now you feel like you are tired and you need a rest. Like life is just pretty full on. Maybe right now you're on holiday. You know, you're a teacher and you're on holiday and you're able to relax. Maybe you're here on holiday and you're staying in Cornwall and you're part of your holiday. And this is a precious time where you don't feel like that. And you don't answer the question in that kind of way. You can just say, yeah, life is good. But we all go through seasons of life where we're busy. And we all go through seasons of life where we feel pressurized and life seems like it's too much. And so often I think we can end up living life at a pace and filling our weeks with so many things that we can feel like we don't even really have time to catch our breath. Anyone ever had one of those moments where you've had to kind of scrub out free time? You know, where anniversary gets delayed because all of these other things just kind of crowd in and, and press it out and seem to be more important. You know, life can be stressful, can't it? And there can be times where the pressure just seems to keep on building and getting more and more and more. And we end up feeling like we're just striving to try and keep on top of it all. And striving to almost become professional jugglers who can keep all the balls in the air. It can feel like like life is constantly demanding more from us. You know, our jobs demand more from us. School demands more from us. Our family demands more from us. Even the things that we own, the possessions that we have, our houses and our cars and our phones and our computers seem to demand from us. You know, these devices that we, we carry around everywhere, you know, that are, that are supposed to, to, to kind of save us time and to make life easier, end up demanding from us. Turn the torch on, look. That's clever, isn't it? (laughs) They demand from us more and more. With every vibration, with every beep, with every ding, with every notification, it seems to be there and call at us and we want to pull it out and check it ten times during a meal. And it leaves us never really able to escape, never really able to stop, never really able to get away from the pressure and actually rest. And you know, when life is at its busiest, I think that's when we find rest the hardest. We find it hard to stop, and so either 
What we tend to do is just kind of throw ourselves into our jobs and we think, well, I've been working hard, I've been going 100%, but now I'm going to go even harder and I'm going to give more to it and I'll work longer hours and somehow I'll hope that fixes things. Or we surround ourselves with distractions to try and escape from the pressure and to escape from the demands and to escape from what it is that's, that's there. But all that really means is that instead of the work that's there, we're constantly filling ourselves with other things. So we don't ever stop and have the space because if we have space, that means we've got to face the work and so we don't want space and so we just fill ourselves with input after input after input with watching TV and reading these things and browsing through Facebook and all of the different stuff that just fill up our times and that mean that never our, our brain is just never able to switch off. Our brain's just active in a different way even though it's not maybe focused on the work and the pressures and the demands that are there. And the reality is that we actually need to rest. And I don't just mean that we all need a holiday. You know, holidays can be good, but what I mean is that we need to discover how we can live life out of a place of rest. Day in, day out. Even in the busiest of seasons. Because not only do we need the physical rest that we might get on a holiday, but actually we need time in every season of life away from the pressures and the demands. Time away from the dings and the bleeps and the notifications and the interruptions. Long enough to find peace and refreshing in the presence of the God who made us And who invites us to come, to be still, to know that he is God, to walk with him in that kind of intimate, ongoing, thriving relationship that he desires to have with us. To rest in him and to live out of that place of rest. And you know, I've got to admit that this isn't actually something that comes naturally to me. I'm not the kind of person who likes space, and I'm not the kind, in terms of, uh, of kind of quiet and just nothingness, if there's a gap in a conversation, I will fill it. I will ask you a question. If you've ever spent any time with me, you'll notice the kind of conversation doesn't tend to kind of go into that kind of point. You know, if, if I've got a moment's space, then I'll have to pick up my phone and look at something or do something, because just kind of sitting still and being still isn't something that comes naturally to me. But it is so important for us to begin to to get hold of the kind of life that Jesus models for us. And the kind of in life that he invites us to and that he intends for us. So this morning we're continuing this series, Jesus in Focus. And and we're going to explore the idea of Sabbath rest. And what this meant for Jesus. And what it really means for us. And before we read, we're going to look at some verses in Mark, but before we do that uh, and kind of turn to those bit in this encounter with Jesus and what it is that goes on and what it is that he says about Sabbath, I thought it would probably be helpful just to set a little bit of context. And so we're going to go through a bit of a journey and just look at some kind of key bits in, in the Bible to, that kind of set the context within which Jesus understood Sabbath and which, which Sabbath was understood in, in his kind of a day. And this idea of, some, of Sabbath rest is something that goes right back to the very beginning. You know, the, the first words are in the, uh, the Bible are, in the beginning, God. And God did what God created. 
He put everything into motion. He created the heavens and the earth and he created the animals and the birds and he created people. And that's what we read happens for the first six days. God created. And when he creates humanity, at the end of the sixth day, the first thing that he does is give us a job to do. He gives us work to do. We're made to work. He says in Genesis 1 verse 28, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. So the first six days are all about God working. And the first thing that he does when humanity is made is give us a job to do so that we can work too. We were made to work. And then on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested, didn't he? God stopped and he rested and he declared that the seventh day was holy. And what that means is that the seventh day was to be different from all of the other days. Now we tend to think of rest as something that we do when we're tired, don't we? When We don't rest until that point when we're tired and then when we're tired we need to have a rest. So was God tired? Did he need a rest? Did breathing out the stars into space kind of take it all out of him? Didn't, did it? Of course not. So God didn't need to take a break and to have a rest because he was tired. And if that was the reason, then he wouldn't really be God, would he? He wouldn't be much of a God that would be deserving of worship and praise and us being here this morning. You know, in fact, we read in Isaiah 40 uh, verse 28 that the Lord does not grow tired or weary. So he's not tired. He didn't need to rest, and yet he chose to. I think there's something significant in that. He chose to stop and rest and enjoy what he'd made. And while this day of rest was the seventh day for God, it's actually the first day for humanity. It's the first day for us. The first day that humanity is created and put on this earth is a day of rest. And so God made humanity and he gave us a job to do. He gave us work to do. And then he said, okay, and now it's a day of rest. And you can kind of imagine Adam and Eve being there saying, what? We've not done anything yet. Why do we need to rest? And I think God did this on purpose. Because this gives us two key ideas about what the Sabbath rest is meant to be for us. What it's all about. The kind of rest that we were designed to need and to live out of. The first thing is that having a Sabbath rest is about more than just a break from work. It's not something that we just do when we need to do it because we can't cope with going anymore. You know, it's important to have a break from work. It's important to stop. But that's just a means to an end. That's not what it's all about. It's about more than just stopping from something. It's about stopping for something. It's about creating space for something. Creating space to stop and to enjoy all that God has already done. It's a time to to meditate on God, to focus on him. It's a time to remember and to celebrate and to worship him for what he has done. It's to help us to shift our focus from where it is 90% of our lives on what it is that we need to do onto what it is that God has already done. 
And when we understand rest in this kind of a way, then suddenly rest becomes an act of worship. Isn't that beautiful that you can stop and you can rest and that is just as much an act of worship as when you do and when you sing and when you serve. Because when we stop and we rest, it's a time to enjoy God. It's a time to to enjoy the blessings that he's given us. It's a time to celebrate him and to thank him. It's a time to declare our trust in him. The second big idea for me that I get from from these verses in Genesis is that this Sabbath rest might be the, the seventh day for God, but it's our first day. And what I get from this is that rest isn't something that we do from work. It's something that we do for work. Rest is about preparing us. Rest is the first thing that we do because it's a time when we focus on God and we receive from God what we need and it's out of that place of rest that we're actually able to work in a healthy way. So that's how God intended things to be right at the very beginning, that we've got work to do. We're made for work. Work is a good thing. We should be busy. You know, six, you know, six days. That's a bigger proportion than the seven days. So we're meant to be busy and working. But we're meant to work from a place of rest. And then as we read on, we see that, that Adam and Eve, they kind of lost sight of this and they decided that, you know what, we don't need God. Actually, we don't need God's help at all. We want to be like God. We want to be independent from God. We want to be able to stand on our own two feet and go in on our own. And so they do what God told them not to do. And everything starts to go wrong. And from this point on, work stops being the blessing that it was intended to be. And it becomes something which is just downright hard. And then if we fast forward in time, the Israelites, the people of God, this is a time when they've been led out of slavery in Egypt. And God gives them rules to live by, to guide them as a nation. Now you've got to put this into context. They've been slaves for the last 400 years. This is all that they've ever known. This people group, all they've ever known is a lifestyle which means that they work 24-7 without a break, doing whatever it is that anybody tells them to do. And so in the midst of the laws and the rules that God gives them, as he helps to shape them as a nation and to, to form them to be his people, he begins to build in again this pattern of Sabbath rest that was always intended to be there. And so in Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, this is what we read. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You've got to love the fact that God makes a law saying take a day off. But for the Jews, at this time, this was a big deal. This wasn't just a nice thing where we kind of say, yes, we've got an extra bank holiday this year because whatever's happening going on in the royal family. You know, this is an idea for for, for the Jews which was completely foreign to them. In fact, it wasn't just unusual. It wasn't just foreign. They saw it as downright dangerous. Because this was a time when there were no fridges and freezers and supermarkets If you didn't work, then you didn't eat. 
And, and so God says to this nation of, of people who are used to 24-7 work without a break, they're used to life as slaves, that one of his top ten rules for them is that they need to take a Sabbath rest, to take a day off. And we can sometimes think, you know, how can I possibly take a day off? You just don't understand all the different things that I've got to do. You don't know what's going on in my life. There's this and this and this. If I take a day off, then everything's going to fall apart. But taking a day off for the Jews seemed crazy and impossible. We can't take a day off. We'll starve. No one will have anything to eat. But God says to them, this isn't a request. This is a command. You will take a day off. And for the Israelites, this meant that from when the sun went down on Friday night, all work stopped. Whatever they didn't get done, they didn't get done. It had to wait. And when the sun went down again 24 hours later, on the Saturday night, that was when they could pick it up and and start to work again. And what we discover here is that not only is the Sabbath rest a time to enjoy God, and to remember what he has done and to worship him and to thank him, not only is it a time to receive from God and to be prepared for everything that he's got for us, But actually, Sabbath rest is a declaration of trust in God. This is something which God asks us to do because he knows that our tendency when things get hard, when life is busy, when there's pressure on, is simply just to work harder and to do longer hours and to rely on ourselves. And he wants to teach us that that is not the answer. The answer is to trust in him, even when it seems impossible, and to rest. And you can imagine the Israelites, but, but, but God, what, what if it doesn't get done? Trust me. But, but God, what if the, what if the harvest is, it, it doesn't get come, to come in? What if the rain comes down and it wrecks it all? Trust. Everything's relying on me. If I don't do this, it's all going to go wrong. Everything's going to fall apart. What if, what if, what if? Trust me. Sabbath rest is an expression of faith and trust in our great God who made the heavens and the earth, who holds everything together in his power and who loves us. So this is what Sabbath was meant to be about. It was a time to enjoy God and to enjoy the blessings that he's given us. It was a a time to remember what God has done, that everything relied on him and not on us. It was a time to receive from God what it is that we need, a time to trust in God and to declare through how we spend our time that it doesn't rely on us and we get that it relies on him. And because this is one of the laws that that God gave to his people, to the Israelites, it's something that he takes really seriously. And, And what we see is that actually their failure in this area over the Sabbath is identified as one of the reasons that the people of Israel are taken into exile years later. 
And so when they're restored to the land and they come back from exile, the Israelites know this. And so Sabbath becomes massively important to them. Suddenly this isn't something they take lightly anymore. This isn't just one of the rules God gives them. This becomes the pinnacle of everything that it means to obey God, is to make sure we keep the Sabbath. Because we don't want to end up in exile again. And because it became such a a big deal, they ended up faced with all sorts of decisions as to to what it is okay to do on the Sabbath and what it's not okay to do on the Sabbath. What is it that that work looks like and what does it not look like? And over the centuries, as time passed, rabbis came up with 39 different categories of work. And each one of those categories then had its own subsets of different types of work. And so you ended up with hundreds and hundreds of different rules and regulations and things which were there to say, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do when it comes to the Sabbath. And some of this stuff is crazy things. If a person was bitten by a flea, they had to allow the flea to keep on biting them. Because if they tried to stop the flea, then they were considered to be hunting on the Sabbath. You couldn't carry a burden on the Sabbath. And so they defined, well, what is a burden? What does it mean to carry a burden? If you carry something that weighs more than two dried figs, then you are working on the Sabbath. You can't carry anything in your, in your hands. You can't carry anything on your, your back. You can't carry anything under your arm. All the normal ways that you want to carry something. But if you tie it into the hem of your robe, or if you, you kind of balance it on your foot, then that's fine. You can carry things in that kind of a way. That doesn't break the rules. You know, and all of these rules meant that, that keeping the Sabbath stopped being about their relationship with God. And it became about lifeless obedience to rules. What was intended as a blessing, what was intended to give them rest and refreshing and as a time of of worship, had just become another type of work. Another thing that weighed them down, another pressure they had to contend with, another way in which they had to strive And you know, this is the way that the Sabbath was seen when Jesus came along. In Jesus' day. And Jesus hated what the religious leaders of the Jews, what the Pharisees had done to the Sabbath. That they made it so restrictive that it wasn't a blessing or something that anybody enjoyed anymore. But you know, I think Jesus probably hates what we've done to the Sabbath too. Now, what so often happens in our culture is that the day is seen as so ordinary that it is just as busy and stress-filled and pressurized as any other day in the week. That there's just nothing different about it. You know, and time and time again, as we, as we look at the life of Jesus, what we, we see, and this isn't just in one-offs, there's no kind of one great bit where he teaches all about Sabbath and rest, but it happens again and again and again throughout his life, is that he clashes with the Pharisees. He clashes with the religious leaders over the Sabbath. You know, for Jesus, the Sabbath is a, is a gift from God that is designed to help us. To help us to keep perspective. To help us to get out of the rat race of life and stop and remember who God is. To remember that we are limited, but God is limitless. To remember all the things that God has already done. And to enjoy his blessings rather than focus on all the things that we need to do. It's a time to rest in God and to receive from him all that we need. It's a time to declare our trust in God 
even when it seems impossible. It's a discipline that stops us from ending up in a place where we feel like we're juggling all these balls. And everything relies on us. And if we stop this juggling, it's all going to fall apart and everything's going to go wrong. Because it reminds us again and again that it doesn't rely on us, it relies on him. And he is the one who carries us. And we see one of these clashes then between Jesus and the Pharisees in Mark 2, verses 23 to 28. Mark writes this, he says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Look! Why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The idea that I, I get here is that, that Jesus is, is going for a walk with his disciples and, and his disciples are, are hungry uh, and so uh, they, they just kind of start picking from this to, to, to eat and the Pharisees are there spying on them and they're, they're looking for something that they can use against Jesus and, and this is fascinating because on this day which is meant to be a day of rest for them what they're doing is that they are following around and kind of hunting Jesus down and kind of keeping an eye on him and watching him and looking for this opportunity to accuse him. And so you have this moment, and it's almost like you can imagine the Pharisees, they're hiding behind the bush, kind of spying on Jesus and the disciples, and then they see the disciples start picking from the ears, and they jump out and go, aha, got you. And Jesus, he could have said, you're wrong. You just don't get it. You don't understand the Sabbath and what it's all about. That while I might be breaking one of the hundreds of rules that you've created, I'm not breaking any of God's to do with the Sabbath. But instead he answers them by quoting from this obscure story about King David that you can read about in 1 Samuel 21. And it's weird, isn't it? But what happens in this story is that David eats the bread in the temple and the rules say that only a priest can eat this bread. But David is never condemned for doing it. The priest, Abiathar, who's there doesn't condemn David or say he's done anything wrong. The people who who, who wrote the scripture and and recorded this, they don't say that David did anything wrong. And what Jesus is getting at is that, that when King David and his men were hungry, when they were in need of food, that their need was more important than religious ritual. Because God desires mercy and not sacrifice. And so it was okay for them to eat the bread. And in the same way, it was okay for his disciples to eat the corn, even though it was breaking their rules. It might not be breaking God's rules, but it was breaking their rules because their need, their hunger in that moment was more important than religious ritual. Because the purpose of the Sabbath was to serve the people of God, to be a blessing to the people of God and a gift to God's people. Not to be a burden that kept them trapped and meant that they had to go hungry and didn't, weren't allowed food to eat or meant that they weren't allowed to go and see a doctor when they injured themselves and all the different crazy things that they put in place. 
And that's why we see Jesus clash with the Pharisees again and again and again. Because he ignored their religious rules and kept on healing people. Kept on meeting people's needs. Kept on coming alongside people where they were at on the Sabbath. And it wasn't because the Sabbath didn't matter to him. It does. It was because fundamentally Jesus knew that the purpose of the Sabbath was to be a blessing. It was for us. It was a day when we're to be restored. A day when we're to receive from God. A day when we're God, we should be looking to God and God meeting our needs. As we put our trust in him. And that's why Jesus, I think, you know, he gives us one of the most beautiful invitations I I just love in Matthew 11 verses 28 to 29 because this is his heart. This is how he understands Sabbath. This is what it's all about for him in terms of relationship with God. And he says this in Matthew 11, 28 to 29. He says, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Such a beautiful invitation. Jesus is saying, in a world where you feel like you are constantly surrounded by demands, that you simply can't keep up with. Come to me and I will give you rest. Trust me. Stop striving to try and do it all and to be it all and let me be the one who carries you. Such a beautiful invitation. And we're going to respond to Jesus' invitation in a few moments as we come to communion. Before that, I just want to give you a few ideas practically how you can begin to live life out of this place of Sabbath rest and things that I've been wrestling with and thinking about in terms of my, my own life. And I think a really helpful way for us to think about what, what Sabbath rest is all about is that it's a time to stop, rest, and remember. To stop, to lay down what we've been carrying and to put our trust in God. To recognize he is the one who holds everything together and not us. To rest. To enjoy the blessings that God has given us. He wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to enjoy creation as we go for a walk. He wants us to to enjoy curling up with a good book. To enjoy what he's given us and to receive from him, to to spend time being still before him and knowing that he's God, allowing our perspective to be changed as we receive again from him everything that we need. And to remember, to remind ourselves of everything that God has already done and take time to thank him and to worship him and to celebrate his goodness. You know, and this is something that God commands us to do, to take a day off every week. But actually, do you know, I think it's something that when we look at Jesus and we look at the lifestyle that he models to us, actually, he, he kind of brings into his daily routine. 
You know, we read in Mark 1 verse 35, it says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know, this is a way that I think Jesus brings Sabbath rest into his daily routine. He withdraws from all of the pressures and their demands and their busyness and he simply takes time to be with God and to pray. And that daily time with God is so important. But when life gets busy, when the pressures hit, when demands are there, do you know what? It just feels like one more demand. One more thing I've got to do. One more thing I've got to try and squeeze in and I just can't do it all. And so the first thing that I want to encourage you to do this week, and if it's a blessing to you, then just keep on doing it, is to simply be still. To take five minutes, not asking for a lot, five minutes early on every day to stop and to be still with God. Not to be reading your Bible, not to be praying about all these different things, not to be feeling like you've got to be productive and it's one more thing that you've got to do, but just to stop. And to learn how to disconnect from the demands. To not always respond to that constant call to check your phone or to be productive. To stop and be still in the presence of God. To take five minutes every day, not just to, not to be praying about things, but simply to say, God, I'm here. I'm laying down and giving over to you all of the different burdens, all the different things that are going, all the things that are coming up, all the things. I just stop. Because I want to say that, Lord, this isn't all about me. It doesn't all rely on me. It's about you. You're the one who holds it together. I want to rest in you and receive from you in this time. Thank you that you have everything that I need. And just wait on him. Let him meet with you. And it sounds so simple and so easy. But you know what? I think a lot of you will find it hard. I find it hard. We get so used to the pace of life and the constantly doing. You know, even as we rest, resting really involves doing as we watch and we read and we listen and we play and do. Having time to be still can be really hard. Especially when your phone beeps while you're trying to be still and then everything in you just wants to go and check the phone. Are you just going to kind of hold off and have that discipline to say, no, it can wait. I'm not going to pick it up. It will drive you crazy at times. But it is so important for us to begin to live life from a place of rest. To live out of a place of rest. For this to be the foundations from which everything else flows. For us to be still, to fix our eyes on Jesus and simply receive from him. Something I want to try and do this week and I'd love you to join me in it. And do you know what? I'd also love you to to hold me accountable to it, to ask me how I'm getting on, to check up on me with it because I need your help. It doesn't come naturally. Second thing that I want to encourage you to do, so be still. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to make a plan. 
Proverbs 13 verse 16 says, A wise man thinks ahead, they make a plan, a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. And in the midst of all of the busyness and the pressures of life, if you don't make a plan to change things, nothing will. You will constantly live life battling against demands and pressures and times and everything that people want from you. And you will be tired and you will be overwhelmed. So make a plan. Decide in advance how you are going to change things. In small ways, that might be things like, well, I'm not going to look at my phone after 10 o'clock at night. Or I'm going to go to bed earlier. Or I'm going to have a day a week when I don't look at social media. Or every day I'm going to go for a 20-minute walk, not so I can lose weight, not so I can get fit, not because I want to achieve anything, but simply to enjoy a walk. Might be small ways that you want to put these changes in place, but it might also be in bigger ways, like planning in when your Sabbath day is in the week and how it is that you're going to make sure that it stays there and you're going to be obedient to God's command to take a day off, to stop, to rest, and to remember. And you might be sat there thinking, Pete, you just don't know all of the different things that I'm juggling right now. You don't understand what it is that I'm going through. You don't understand all the balls that are in the air. I simply can't do it. It's not possible. But I want to encourage you to come back to what Sabbath is all about. And it's not about you. It's not about what's possible for you. It's a time to stop and to lay all of those things down as a declaration of trust in God. That even when it seems impossible, that you're trusting that he has it in hand. That it relies on him. To put into action Our trust in God, saying, it's okay for me to stop and to be still. Because I know when I stop that, God, you keep working. And I can trust you. To rest and take time to to be with God and enjoy God and receive from God and remember all that he's already done. That he stirs your heart in faith. That you can trust him. And stirs your heart in worship. To praise him. And as we prioritize Sabbath rest. As we make that the way that we start each of our days. And as we plan it into our weeks and our lives. Jesus' promise is that as we come to him that we will find rest for our souls. Something we all need. That we'll begin to discover that rest isn't just about collapsing at the end of a hard day when it's all been too much, but that rest is something that we do at the beginning. That it changes everything and it gives us peace and becomes the place from which we're able to work. The place from which we live. 
So we're going to come to a time of communion now, and if the guys who are ready could come and be ready to help and to serve, and the band could come up to lead us, that would be great. But as we come to this time of communion, I want to encourage you to stop, to lay things down before God, to rest and receive from him, and to remember, to remember his sacrifice, to remember his love put into action for you on the cross, and the promise that that gives us, that his love is put into action for us every day in the here and now too, that we can trust him. And just allow that to stir your hearts in in worship. Allow that to stir your hearts in faith this morning.